couple of things before I start the message. How many of you have taken class 101? Would you put uh, both hands above your head? I realize it's cold in here, folks. Um, it's an old Baptist church with boilers, and only one of them came on today. So we're doing the best we can. Now, wave, wave to me. Okay, a number of you have taken 201. How many of you have signed up and can take it this afternoon? Okay, a little bit of it's great. Good to see that. Uh, <clears throat> I want to encourage you that uh, if you need to just stand up and down and do some deep knee bends while I'm preaching, that's okay. Uh, if you want to just kind of wiggle around and get your blood flowing, that's okay. Uh, but the good news here is you're going to stay awake because you can't sleep when it's cold, right? Anyhow, first of all, Happy New Year. They don't get it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. You know it is the beginning of a new year right now, today. Did you know that? You think I'm crazy. Advent. Advent begins the Christian year, and the Christian year starts this Sunday. And there is a, a yearly cycle of readings called the lectionary, and it's a cycle of scripture readings, and it always begins on this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, because Advent kicks off the Christian year. So what I'd like you to do right now, and it'll help you warm up a little bit, is stand up and wish a couple people Happy New Year. Would you do that? And then we'll get started. <clears throat> Thank you. Another reason you might stay awake this year is, or today, is I've had a cold all week and lost my voice completely on Thursday. Couldn't talk at all. The staff was cheering. Um, but it reminds me today that if my notes, throat gets kind of itchy, I'm going to have to cough. And I was thinking of when I first started preaching, we thought we got high-tech because there was no wireless stuff back in the day. But I had a lapel microphone. You remember those mics it used to put on? But it had a wire, and the wire you know, would run off around there. Anyhow, one Sunday I was preaching. I had a cold, and I could feel the congestion building in my nose. And I thought, what am I going to do? Because I can't make it through this service without blowing my nose. And so I thought, well, I'll make sure I, you know, one good blow of my nose will clear me out, and I'll be good for the service. So I uh, told the congregation, I said, excuse me just a minute. I've had a cold. I have to blow my nose. So I opened up my handkerchief and bowed my head and blew as hard as I could. And everybody came about this far off their chair. And um, one of our best friends, Betsy, was sitting up near the front. She was on the floor laughing the rest of the service. But um, I'll try not to do that this Sunday if I need to cough or something. I don't know what I'll do. But anyhow, it's good to have you in worship this morning. In your worship folder is this set of notes, uh, some notes in there. And as I said a moment ago, uh, this is the beginning of Advent. And I've written there just some comments on Advent. Advent. It's really a time of, of preparation. Uh, several months ago, in fact, many months ago last summer, I was up in Idlewild studying and looking forward to the fall season and Christmas. And as I was studying and praying, God, what would you have us to look at during Christmas season? As I was doing that, uh, I was reading through the various scriptures that relate to Advent and Christmas. And in some of those scriptures, of course, the prophet Isaiah is very prominent. And as I was reading and praying, a word just seemed to be sealed into my head, and it was this word, imagine, imagine. And as I read through the various prophecies in Isaiah, 
that word just stayed with me. And so this morning I want to say to you that for the next three Sundays, today and the next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about imagine. And I'm going to challenge you to do something that you used to be able to do very well. Now that you're an adult, you probably can hardly do it at all. And that is imagine. When you were growing up, you had a great imagination. Right? You used to imagine all sorts of things. Why, I've won World Series in my childhood. Imagining. Done all kinds of things. And I want to challenge you during this season. Uh, perhaps you join me in reading through the book of Isaiah. There are 66 chapters. You can do the math and figure out how, long you, how much you need to read each day, a couple of chapters. But I'd like for you, as you listen to Scripture, <clears throat> as you listen to this prophet, I'd like for you to let the Scripture... And the Spirit blow through you to cause you to imagine some things in your life, in our church, and in our world. Would you do that with me? Would you join me this season of Advent and just imagine with me? Now, this morning we're coming to the prophet Isaiah. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of the, of the major prophets. And what I want to do is two things today. I want to look at the Bible passage before us. And let's do a brief Bible study. And then after that, I want to say, well, so what? What is this character who spoke almost 3,000 years ago? What's this have to do with today? And so that'll be the second part. So if you don't mind turning to Isaiah chapter 1, or chapter 2, rather, on page 631. If you want to use one of the Bibles in the pew, you can come to page 631. And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Someone has said... This is almost like a summary of Isaiah. It really captures the essence of Isaiah. And you see the opening line there. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 1, this is the heading or the introduction. Who would stand up and read that loudly? Let's, let's put this scripture on the, on the board. David, thank you. Thank you. This heading or introduction is very much like chapter 1, verse 1. It's just a condensed version, and it's the prelude or the, we wouldn't call it a greeting, but it's the beginning of this section of prophecy. And I want to lift up two words, Judah and Jerusalem. Now, as you may know, Judah is a tribe. Israel had 12 tribes, and one of the tribes was Judah. And each tribe got some territory. So Judah can both refer to the group of people who were of the tribe of Judah. And it can refer to that landmass, Judah. And at this time of the prophecy, as Isaiah speaks, the country is actually kind of a wreck. There's been a civil war. And so there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom is Judah. And so the prophet, a particular person named Isaiah, is speaking to a particular group of people, Judah, southern kingdom, who have a particular place. And in this territory called Judah is a great city. And it's great not because it's large, because it wasn't particularly large. It's great not because it had political influence in the world. It didn't have tremendous influence. It's great because that's where God's people worship. The temple was in Jerusalem. And the prophet mentions Jerusalem. So the point is that in a particular time... A particular person, Isaiah, spoke to a particular group of people with lives and circumstances much like we have today. Well, what did he say? 
Well, look, let's look now at verse 2, and I want to walk through verses 2, 3, and 4, and just, I'm going to underline a couple of important things. So, I want you to, Im- to imagine what the prophet's saying, and let's begin in uh, chapter 2, verse 2. If someone would stand up and read verse 2. <clears throat> you can read it off the screen if you, if you can see that far. All right, Jennifer, thanks. Okay, now, a couple of comments about verse 2 that I want you to notice. First of all, you see the word mountains is mentioned several times. What's the big deal about mountains? When I think of mountains, I think about mountain biking. Some people think about camping or hiking or the beauty of the mountains. Some people think about they're hard to get over. Well, the prophet mentions mountains because in his day, the people around Israel, the Canaanites and other groups of people, where did they worship? They went to the high places. They went to the mountains. And there were all kinds of gods that they worshipped on the mountains. And so mountains were known as places of worship, and it has to do with this whole idea of worship. And so he mentions mountains. Now, what I've underlined there is what I really want to emphasize. And he says, who's going to go to this? He says, first of all, there's going to be a mountain that's kind of bigger than any other mountain. It's going to be a great mountain. And then, what have I underlined? Who's going to worship on that mountain? All nations. Now, that's rather remarkable, and that's why I underlined it, because who's he writing to? Is he writing to or speaking to all nations? Absolutely not. He's speaking to a little group of people. He's not even speaking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to Judah in Jerusalem. But he says there's coming this day when this mountain's going to be raised up, and all the nations are going to flow unto it. That's verse 2. So let's go to verse 3. Uh, Can you imagine this? Verse 3. Someone would stand and read that. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. It says, first of all, there are going to be many peoples, kind of that idea of all nations, and they're going to come. And when the many peoples come, what do the many peoples say? One word is good enough here. Come, come. Now, just a moment ago, I mentioned, and earlier Joyce mentioned, we asked you to put something on your communication card. Remember? We're having a great big of event here two weeks from tonight, and there's going to be stuff going on, this little Christmas village idea that we're having, and you can come about 4, 4.30 and hang out all evening here, and at 6 o'clock we're going to gather for our 65th candlelight Christmas carol service. It's going to be a, a wonderful time. Now, it's going to be a great time for us, but is that the idea of the church? We just do things for us, make us feel good, we can all get together and have a good time? Well, that's part of the idea. But that's not the whole idea, is it? And in fact, we this is going to be an opportunity, and I've got a list of at least a half a dozen people who never go to church anywhere. They're far from God, as far as I know. And I'm going to say, will you come? And some of them are going to come, and it's an opportunity for them to hear about what God has done in our world through music and song and scripture, that Jesus has come. And this is very natural. It's right here in Isaiah. All the people flow to God's house, and they reach out to others, and they say, come. 
Come to God's house. Now, why do they say that? What's going to happen at God's house? Why would we come to God's house? Well, of course we come to worship God, but something happens in the house. And he says, come let us go to the house, to the mountain of the Lord. And in verse 3 he says, we're going to be taught God's ways. God is going to teach us God's ways. And so as we come to the mountain of the Lord, we are taught the Lord's ways. And once you learn the Lord's ways, what do you do according to the verse? You walk in those ways. And so it's, a, it's an amazing picture as people, all people come, they learn the ways of the Lord. And as they learn the ways of the Lord, they walk in a different way. They walk in the ways of the Lord. It's a, it's a marvelous condensed version of what happens when we come to God. <clears throat> Now, it's, this is a beautiful instruction, but let's go to verse 4, the last part of this section. Who would read verse 4? Dan, thank you. Amen. Verse 4. What a marvelous verse. Now, first of all, it says that God is going to judge between the nations. That's good news, right? No more independents, Republicans, Democrats, Russians, Americans, Chinese, Iraqis, Iranians. God's going to judge between the nations. That's, I'm looking forward to that day. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine God judging between the nations? That's going to be a great day. Now, secondly, when God is judging between the nations, what happens? This is marvelous. The same words are repeated by the prophet Micah. He says, secondly, when God is done judging between the nation, tools that are used for fighting become tools for farming. Can you imagine? Armies that go out to do war, uh, the the, uh, instruments of armies, rather, are becoming instruments for agriculture. Now, that's recycling, isn't it? When weapons for war become weapons for farming... That's recycling. And that's what he says. Do you see the prophet's vision? A mountain is raised up. All the nations flow to it. When they get there, they automatically say, this is so fantastic. Come. And they begin to invite others. And as people come, they learn the ways of God and they begin to walk in the way of God. It absolutely changes their lives. It's amazing, isn't it? What Isaiah can imagine here. Now, I begin by asking you, can you imagine? And I want you to imagine this with me. Uh, If you need to close your eyes, that's okay. But can you imagine, as this prophecy was given, the literal word of Isaiah, about 800 years later, imagine that you are a shepherd. And imagine it's nighttime. And imagine that uh, though you'd like to sleep, you're watching your sheep so that the wolf or the coyote does not come in. And it's just an ordinary night outside an ordinary village in Judah. And suddenly, as you are half dozing off, shepherding your sheep that night, the sky becomes brighter than it's ever been, and you hear music, singing, not just words, but singing. And you know what they're singing, don't you? Because the angels in heaven are singing, 
peace on earth, goodwill towards all those on whom God's favor rests. And that song resonates through the night, peace on earth. Do you see the connection with the prophet Isaiah? And all of a sudden something's happening in a little village, in a field outside a village. And as a shepherd, you get up and you go into the town and you see this one who's born, Jesus. And you can remember for the rest of your life. And didn't the prophet say, peace, swords beat into plowshares. Now the instrument you used to use to stick into somebody's ribs, you can refashion it and you can stick it in the ground and you can make furrows and you can plant seeds and you can grow things that will nourish the nations. It's a revolutionary idea. Can you imagine such? Would you even dare to imagine it? Isaiah says, in fact, that the days are coming when these things will happen. And the question is whether or not we believe Isaiah, whether we can hear the prophet today. Can you imagine that a baby could be born and his name could be called what? Prince of Peace. And this morning, you and I are gathered to worship that baby grown into a man. We know him as Jesus. Now, this morning, as you look at this prophecy, it's, it really is an amazing story. There's one last verse, and it's verse 5. Now, in the Bible you're looking at that's in your pew, I would disagree with the way they've divided it. They start another section. Actually, I think the section ends with verse 5. And I would like for someone to read this invitation that's given in verse 5. Who would stand and read that? O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. What a great invitation. Now, in your notes, uh, in that handout that you have, I have written the verse, only I've left a blank in there. And what I'd like you to do is put in your name. So I would write in here, come, Steve, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's the invitation. And that's the invitation for you today as we begin this Advent season. Can you imagine it? God saying to you, come, Steve. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, we've looked at the prophet's word in Isaiah. I also have on this uh, backside a circle. And I'd like you to take that and look at it with me. And it's simply there to help us walk through some ideas as we think about this idea of peace. The prophet said, one who brings peace will come. That one has come. Jesus has come. He's lived. And as you sit here this morning, and as you prepare for Advent, I want to ask you a question. Do you have peace with yourself? And I'd like you to write self right in the center there. In the center of that circle, put self. Because I'm going to ask this question of you. Are you experiencing peace, first of all, with yourself? You say, Steve, well, how do I do that? Well, you find peace in your own heart as you establish peace with God, as you come into relationship with God. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus himself said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Is that possible? I must confess, there are times when I'm very brave and then there are other times. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just terrified about something. You're worrying or fretting over something in the future and there's no peace. Cornelius Plantinga, Jr., quite a name, 
wrote a book years ago, and in it he defined peace like this. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. It's a great big word. It's a, it's a wonderful word, shalom, peace. And Cornelius said, peace is the way things ought to be. I like that. It's simple. The way things ought to be. So the question is, are things the way they ought to be in your life? Do you have peace? Or are you fearful? Are you troubled and afraid? Jesus said, I give you my peace. Let your hearts not be troubled. Let them not be afraid. And so I want to ask you if you have peace in your heart this morning. And can you imagine that? Imagine coming to Jesus and Jesus giving you peace. Secondly, in the circle, as we go out from the circle, uh, in that next ring, I'd like for you to write your family or your community. I'm thinking about those closer relationships you have, your family, your community, and your church. Do you have peace there? Jesus places us in families and in communities and in churches, and he places us there to be what kind of makers? Peacemakers. And if there's not peace in your family, and many families do not have peace, I want you to imagine peace in your family. Why not? And why not you be the person that becomes the peacemaker to create those healing of relationships through the power of God in your families? in your church, in your immediate relationships, perhaps at school or at work. Now, the next circle is the city. The city. What city are we in? This is Pasadena. Now, as I think of city, I'm going to talk about Pasadena, but you may not live in Pasadena. Think of your city. I'm thinking not just of Pasadena, but the San Gabriel Valley. I'm not thinking just of the San Gabriel Valley, but of Los Angeles. But let me stick with Pasadena. Does it bother you that in our city, the city of the Rose Parade and a Rose Queen and a Rose Bowl, this city with one of the most amazing buildings in the country right across the street from us, this city of where the Wrigley's established homes and we have mansions, this city that prides itself and kind of holds its nose in the air, does it bother you that almost 12 Almost a dozen children were shot dead a few blocks from this church this year. Does that bother you? Is that the way things are supposed to be? That guns are pulled out and people shoot each other in our city? You see, I think that breaks the heart of God. And I think it ought to break our hearts, but it doesn't hardly even make the news. And the violence in our own communities, forget about Iraq, the violence in our own communities is astonishing if we look at it. Does that bother you? Can you imagine peace? Could you imagine reading in the paper at the end of 2008, there were no murders in Pasadena? Or maybe we could just settle, no children got shot dead. In the community where I first started serving in Logan Square in Chicago, the first year we lived there, over 20 children were shot dead in our community from the violence. Does that break your heart? After watching the YouTube debates, and I better be careful here, I guess, but uh, when you vote this next year, are you going to vote for somebody who cares about peace in our own cities? Does that matter to you? It matters to God. And I'd like for us to imagine a community where the Mexican-Americans and the African-Americans and the Armenian-Americans and the Indian-Americans and all the various kinds of Americans that are here, where they actually got along. Can you imagine that? Why not? What would be wrong with that kind of world? What would be right with that kind of world? And so as you write the word city down there, can you imagine peace in your city? I can. 
but it's going to have to begin with a desire in our hearts. And then you can fill in the blanks, our country and our world. Can you imagine peace in our world? I know perhaps I'm a silly romantic, but earlier this week when I saw the L.A. Times, my heart leapt for joy because it was a sign. It was a small sign, I'll grant you that, but my heart leapt for joy because there was the president and who was on his right and who was on his left. Finally, the leader of the Palestinians and our own leader and the leader of the Israelis, finally they were actually talking. That's a first step towards peace. That needs to happen. It must happen. And my heart was thrilled to see that. Thank God, finally they're talking. And maybe that will lead to less blowing up. That's what it means, my friends, to imagine peace. To see those little signs that happen even now and to say, I'm on the side of peace. God's on the side of peace. And someday I can imagine when swords are, are beat into uh, plowshares, when tools for war become tools for farming. Can you imagine? I invite you to imagine with me. Join the prophet. Imagine. So, Happy New Year. Come let us imagine. And come let us imagine peace in our lives and in our world. I have a prayer that... that uh, I would like for us to read at this time, so would you stand with me right now, and it's in your bulletin. I encourage you to take it home, read this prayer every day this week as you imagine peace, and let's start the process now. Let's read together. <clears throat> you ha- you, you'll need your bulletin, I see. We're not going to have a slide, so you can read it off your worship folder. Let's read this together. Show us, good Lord, the peace we should seek the peace we must give, the peace we can keep, the peace we must forego, and the peace you have given us in Jesus our Lord. Amen.